Hey guys, so welcome to the third edition of Angie Monroe's podcast. And today we have my husband, Russ. Welcome, Russ. How does it feel to be in uh, less control? That's right, I was just looking for him. Looking for who? (laughs) You. Your husband. Oh, where is he? Did he leave the room? I have no idea. Well, I've no idea. I've no idea. <laughs> so those that don't know, me and Ross have major uh, alpha issues, don't we? That's why he was looking for Russ. <laughs> right, okay, Russ. Mm. So for those that don't know, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you're doing and what you're planning to do. Hmm. Well, that's a that's a big question, isn't it? Um, mm. A little bit about myself in terms yeah. of what? Well, absolutely anything. Like, what do you do for a living that people that might not know? Okay. So uh, I currently run a painting and decorating business, which is a family business. So I'm third generation. I've inherited the business. Well, I took the business over in in a way um from my grandfather so my father's also or was a painter and decorator uh i've dabbled in a couple of different things but that is what i'm back to we specialize in high-end domestic properties um so yeah that's what i'm currently doing okay so people will be wondering well why have i brought my husband on to my podcast well it's as simple as this Um, It's important to have a variety of different people around you in business, regardless of the sector. Uh, So tell everybody else what it is you're studying, because I think that that's quite important as well. Mm. Okay, well, I mean, that's been a bit of a long path, hasn't it? Um, Mm -hmm. So I suppose to paint a picture, I started informally studying uh, a few things through books and audio books and all the rest of it. Um, starting off with evolutional psychology, um, Buddhism, Stoicism, ancient Greek gods, philosophy. He's just, he's um, just had a tattoo, all, guys. <laughs> all sorts. Um, so, yeah, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole with a few things. Um I guess tracing back before that, the reason for that was sort of going on a a bit of an individual journey of growth, um, inspired by life circumstances, shall we say. Um, So, yeah, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole uh, and then decided that I've got a real interest in psychology. I'm fascinated with the mind and how it works and why it works and the implications of of everything involved with that uh so decided to make it a bit more formal and do a bsc honors degree in psychology of which i'm currently halfway through uh and during the process of doing that i have lent towards the counseling aspect of that which again i think i find that ticks a a certain box for me in terms of helping others um and in exploring that uh, around about a year ago now, I started my training for Samaritans uh, and have been acting as a, a volunteer for the charity Samaritans um, 
Tom Moyone, as they call it, um, for probably around about six or seven months now. I think that I've been what they would refer to like a fully fledged volunteer. How are you finding that? Because that must be so very different to what it is you do day to day. Yeah, it is. I think that's that's the whole point of it, really. Um, how am I finding it? It's it's a weird one that because even when you're there, I get asked that uh, because I'm relatively new to the organisation. There's people there that have been volunteering for years, five, ten years, and and you get asked that. You know, how are you finding it? And it's a weird one because when you respond, yeah, really good. Um, it's a bit odd given the context of what you're doing, uh, but the reality is. I am finding it good. I am enjoying it. It's ticking a box that work wasn't. Um, and the best way I can describe that is it's nice to be doing something that gives me a sense of purpose that actually doesn't involve work, profit lines, uh, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Obviously, you speak to people who are in some really dark moments. Um, there is humour to some of the calls as well. Um but it was also, for me, it was about exploring whether I'm set up to do that, you know, whether whether I could hear these things, talk to these people and leave it where it was. Um, and, you know, I can. So, yeah, it, it ticked that box for me. So those that don't know, uh, Samaritans is actually uh, a charity, isn't it? So um, Ross mm. actually goes and volunteers sort of like a, a couple of times a week um, in and around the, the job that he's already doing. So, yeah, that's like a, that's a big deal really, isn't it? Must yeah, take up um, time. I mean, to be fair, I'll, I'll take this opportunity to explain a little bit about Samaritans really, because one of the things I do want to do is make people more aware, <clears throat> first of all, of what it is and what they offer, because there, there are a few misconceptions to do with the charity. Um a lot of people think that you can only call Samaritans if you're suicidal. Um, and that's just not the case. It really isn't. Um, it's one of those prevention is, is better than the cure kind of situations, really. Uh, it's an incredible charity. They're set up primarily to get people talking. Um, the Samaritans volunteers are there to listen. They're not there to give advice, which is another misconception. You're not going to make that phone call and get told, do this, do that, do the other. Um, interestingly, one of their key policies is they have what they call a self-determination policy, which actually means that should somebody call up who had made the decision to end their own life, um, you don't talk them out of it, It's uh, which was a really alien concept to me. Uh, you know, when I signed up, I thought <clears throat> it was all about preventing, stopping, talking people out of that course of action. But in fact, if somebody has completely decided that that's what they're going to do, it's a Samaritan's policy that that is to be respected, which I found really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, just to re-emphasize really that the service is there for anybody in what they would refer to as a time of need. Um, and that's individual to each person. You know, uh, what one person calls a crisis is, uh, you know, a molehill to some and a mountain to others. Um, so it's it's really important, I think, that people know that the service is there. Um, and it's certainly, it's like many things in life, it's best to catch things early. And if you're feeling a certain way and you've got nobody to talk to, to just talk and have that, that tool in order to 
unravel your thoughts with somebody is really, really powerful, which I've obviously seen firsthand. So it's um, it's an incredible charity, 116123. Um, <laughs> but if, uh, if anyone is in need and is feeling in a dark place, um, you know, there's always somebody there listening. And it's 24-7 as well. So it operates at all the, the, the key times that people tend to be most affected. Okay. How have you found these new experiences that you've been learning over the last few years? How has that helped you sort of evolve and change as a, an individual? Because Russ, just to put it out there, Russ was quite negative when we first met. Mm. And then obviously I jump on the scene and like a little bit of life. Like how has that all sort of changed you? Yeah, um, it's fair to say it's been life changing. Um, I, I have found the whole educating myself. That's what I do. Um, you know, I, I like to learn. I enjoy learning new things. Um, and I, I like to ex explore things, uh, from an intellectual level at times, but I went through obviously, uh, well, I say obviously nobody knows. Um, but I went through a divorce, um, close to 10 years ago now, I guess, nine years ago. Uh, and that put me in certain positions and certain mental places that I'd never been before, um, that I'd never thought that I would be susceptible to. Uh, I know I'm speaking in sort of like vague terms there. So I was never at a point where I was thinking about ending my own life or anything like that. It was never that serious. Um, but I was completely solid or what I thought was solid prior to those times. Um, mm -hmm. And in processing some of the things that went on, it led me to actually think it, I was fascinated by the process. Um, in short, I was fascinated by the fact that stress and anxiety could cause physical symptoms, you know, and I, th I think that was probably the start point for me where I thought, you know, it, it was incredible to me that you can go through a negative experience create stress and it's pretty well known everybody knows that you know if, if you're stressed you can suffer with a heart attack you can suffer with high blood pressure so those are physical symptoms relating yeah, it's to massive isn't it how the body reacts yeah. but in taking that the thing that people don't seem to think about is the flip side of that so mm -hmm. if stress and anxiety can cause all those bad things and what about the opposite what about if you put yourself in a place of tranquility and peace then surely that must have physical benefits too, because it's, you know, it, it doesn't only work one way around. Um, so yeah, I started exploring various, you know, just self-education books and all, all that kind of thing. And in doing so, in learning about the mind and learning about mindset and various things, that then was like self-therapy for me. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd like to get into counseling and therapy. I've never had counseling or therapy myself. I probably should. Um, but it's, it's something that I find fascinating and in learning, I mean, it's like the, the degree that I'm doing at the moment, I'm about halfway through, um, and everything that I'm learning, all, all of the, the various processes, you, you end up relating back to yourself. It's, you know, it's human nature to do that, but in doing so I'm unraveling my own character my own personality traits and, and things like that so it yeah it's it's great mm. it has yeah, it's legitimately been, been life-changing for me 
Yeah, it's been interesting to see you sort of evolve in the last sort of six, seven years because you've changed completely as a person mm -hmm. and how you adapt yourself and actually also how you are as a father to your children. You're very mm -hmm. different to how you operate and how you speak to them, how you how you generally work in total and that's like it's a massive thing I think a lot of people don't um take a moment to look at themselves and you really went mm. through that didn't you yeah well I mean the one thing you know about me is I'm an overthinker mm. anyway so I'm, mm. I'm constantly overthinking um and the situation with being a father is obviously always on the front of my mind I'm always doubting myself I'm always questioning whether I'm getting it right, whether I'm getting it wrong, some bits I get right, some bits I'm sure I get wrong. I'm sure the kids would probably tell you that too. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's a it's an evolution in itself. Um, there's no right and wrong, uh, but yeah, it's definitely the education that I've gone through has definitely helped me. I think um, I think once you understand your thought patterns, you're able to change them. Yeah, uh, but you need to understand like that. Yeah, you can't. I don't think you can stop them. It's like, turn, it's like turning around and saying, I'm never going to get angry again. You'll always get angry. You, you will be triggered. But once you recognize that you've been triggered, that's when you can disassociate yourself from it and change it and think, ah, okay, I'm feeling a certain way because of a certain thing. That's not necessarily because, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, you know, to, to, bring my own situation in if I'm tired or I'm hungry I'm going to react I'm going to be a lot snappier this than if I'm not this guy is hungry yeah have but you, you know tight, a lot of people are have no, you eaten right that I haven't. that's why I wasn't that's why I wasn't too happy about yeah that's why I wasn't too happy about being forced into this current situation so let me just tell you guys with Russ you have to force him he needs to be pushed into things hence then why we have alpha issues mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so you will get fed soon don't worry mm. i will get you your but, pet food but getting back to the point i've, I've reached a point <laughs> where i can uh, i can understand myself a little bit and don't think you're exempt from this young lady what, what's that supposed to mean how rational are you when you're hungry what? How rational are you when you're hungry? No, it's usually uh, hormonal rage. You just get the two twisted. Do I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you not? See, this this guy will never you... learn. You say you evolve, but you don't learn. Every month for a couple of days, just shut up. See, I'm not See, capable of doing that. We know this. <laughs> Anyway, directing yourself away from your hunger, hun. Mm. Yeah, but my point that I was trying to make was once, once you realise um, that you, your thoughts and emotions aren't always rational and that they're, they're triggered by outside things, it's then easier to change how you're thinking um, or change how you react. I think that's mm -hmm. there's a saying, isn't there? Like you, You're not in control of what happens to you, but you're in mm -hmm. control of how you react. And once you can start looking at yourself and your behavior, it's it's like working on anything, isn't it? And I think mm. a lot of people don't really realize the way I like to think of it now 
is that you need to work on your mind the same way that you work on your body in the gym. You know, if, if you don't go to the gym and train, then you're going to get unfit. And if you don't work on your mind or look at your mind, then your mind is going to get unfit. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I think it needs to be a much more equal balance. Do you think like there's a lot of people out there that have like things that happen to them, perhaps in their childhoods? I mean, God knows we both have had uh, very colorful, uh, childhoods and mm. some people will either turn into the victim or they will change that. How was it for, kind of for you growing up and kind of working out which way you were going to go were you not aware of that until you were like an adult yeah I mean I definitely experienced things in my childhood that have shaped me um both in a negative and a positive way to be honest mm. um and it's it's hard to get your mind around really because again I'll, I'll go into a bit of a rabbit hole with it where I think well things could have been better but then if they were better would I be who I am now you know, have the hardships that I went through as a kid, is, is that what's created who I am? Would I change that? No. Um, so, sorry, what was the question? Really? <laughs> so yeah, what was, what was the original guy, question? This card. The original question was, um, do you think that, like, centred around the different people, so some people kind of become a victim to it and and some mm. change that and um my question was was there a point that you realized which way you was going to go with it yeah could um, you have easily have turned into like a victim of your circumstance uh i don't think that was ever my way i, I was obviously i went through situations as a child but i was always um I don't know, I guess I've always had something in me where I was always a fighter. I've always hated being told what to do. So I kind of recognised the path that was almost chosen for me and naturally rebelled against that. Um, and I've always been, I don't know, I guess even from a very young age, I've always had a very strong sense of what's right and what's wrong. Um, mm -hmm. People around me, how they've behaved. I've been aware of what's right and what's wrong. Um, although what I would say is I, I wasn't aware of how things in my childhood had impacted my behavior as an adult until I was much older. So probably early thirties and that's still a path and it's still a journey that I'm on at the moment, recognizing why I think certain ways and why I feel, feel certain ways and relating that back to, you know, traumas and, and events as a child. Um, that's still something I'm exploring now, but I'm aware of it. So it's something that I look at and I analyze. But I think a lot of people never make that connection. They come out with a, the immortal phrase of, I am who I am. That's just what I'm like. Well, that's me. You know, phrases yes, like that. It's an excuse, isn't it? It is an excuse. It's an excuse that it's, it's a recognition, really, that they understand that some of their behavior is you know, incorrect. And when I say incorrect, it's like whether it's hurting somebody else or whatever it might be. Mm. But they come out with that as a as an excuse not to change, not to address these things. And all too often it's because by addressing bad I say bad behaviour. No, that's not really the words I want. Addressing unhealthy behaviour is quite painful. You know, you mm. have to look at why you behave that way and, and a lot of people don't want to lift that lid. 
on events that have gone on in the past that have shaped the way they behave. I mean, there's so many things that you can relate, you know, in, in relationships and me and you have worked through a lot ourselves um, that you can relate. Yeah, you you can relate behaviour in relationships to things that have happened about the relationship you had with your parents, and there's so many mm. connections. Um, but again, it's once you become aware, to... sorry, carry on. No, 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 you're cool. No, I said it. I said it's interesting because, like, I think particularly what we've learned about each other is how we have triggered each other over the years. Hmm. And it's interesting how I think that we've both learned, whether it's conscious or subconscious, at least I know that I have. I know that every time, for example, I storm off and go in my car, that could trigger you and have done in the past. But you also recognize mm. now that if I storm off and go off, I just need to go off and cool down because I'm a hothead. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that comes down to attachment types, I think, um, of which, you know, we don't necessarily match up in that respect. But it's a case of recognising it and understanding it, and then you can work with it. The minute you understand it, it just makes everything so clear. It doesn't fix things. That, that's the thing. It's a bit of a misconception where people think, mm -hmm. wow, if I understand why I'm acting that way, it will just stop. It doesn't. You still want to act the way that you want to act but you can just mm -hmm. understand it. And what that means from my perspective is I now understand why you might act a certain way. And then I don't take it as a reflection on me. So it's less triggering for me. But obviously I think the one thing that we've got going is communication. So I mm -hmm. have always tried to communicate within our relationship mm -hmm. and, and tell you why yeah, I'm feeling yeah, a certain way. Um, so yeah, I, th I think that's yeah, a massive I, thing. I have to, I have to cool down. So sometimes I can't articulate if I'm highly emotional. So I have to kind of like be left alone to figure myself out, and then I will then communicate. But it's sometimes in a different way. I might write it down because I have mm. time to then work it out in my head, put it to paper, and then deliver it that way. And uh, you may have sometimes seen that as me not communicating but it actually is my version of communication and it's important to know isn't it that lots of people's mm. communications different it's not always the same absolutely yeah completely mm. um and people are they're like it's like writing a book you know that they're the sum of what's happened to them essentially but you do have that choice as to whether getting back to your original question as to whether you become a victim of it and you let all too often what happens is people will let a traumatic event in their life become their identity and they will mm -hmm. build their identity around that thing, whatever that might be. Um, and that I think is where people get stuck. They get frozen mm -hmm. at that point, at that point of trauma, whatever it is, that's mm -hmm. where they get stuck and they can't move on. Um, which is, it's a difficult place, really. It's easy to stand back and sort of say, mm -hmm. you know, don't be a victim, get over it, that, you know, that you need to conquer it and use it to your advantage. But it takes a lot of time to realise that. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, that kind of people uh, 
in business that are people like us, for example, that mm. have had sort of trials and tribulations sort of within our lives? Do you think it, it makes people like us a different animal when it comes to business? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Mm, I'd agree. Um, I think Why when you go think through certain is? things, um, it's the old, the old saying, isn't it? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, and I think the more things you go through, the more hardships you go through in life, it gives you a different perspective on things for one. Um, mm. it may, I think it gives you more fight if you're that way inclined. You know, if you've overcome one thing, you tend to overcome the next, um, you know, and there's, it'd be an interesting, interesting fact, uh, interesting sort of like study to see out of successful business owners, how, you know, what, what their life story was before that. Because all too often you tend to hear these sort of tales of hardship behind successful business owners. So there must be something that that installs in people. The reason I ask that is because I often listen to a lot of podcasts or audible books and every time there's always a story of childhood associated to that. I don't know if you've noticed mm. that in the things that you listen to. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a trait. Yeah. You've recently actually come back from the painting and decorating show. How was that? You've been like the last two years on the trot now that I'm aware of anyway. No, I didn't go last year. Um, I think there was a two-year. The first year, first time I went was just after COVID, um, okay. because I actually caught COVID at the show the first time round. Um, but yeah, I, I went. Uh, I came back. Was it last week? Yeah, I was, I was there yeah, last, last week. Last Tuesday. So, mm, yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, a lot of networking. Um, it had a, a whole different feel about it this year, to be honest. Um, Why is that? Uh, there was a, a distinct feeling of community this year. Um, the, it, the thing that fascinated me about the painting and decorating show, I'm quite lucky because we live in the Midlands and the show is in Coventry, so it's about 45 minutes for me. So it's, it's on my doorstep, but there's people that travel, other decorators that travel from all over the country. So three, four hours, they stay overnight for a couple of nights, some of them. And they come down and in reality, uh, the show itself, I mean, you've got all the painting and decorating brands, which I won't bang on about because nobody's going to be interested in that unless you're a decorator. Um, but you get a few freebies. So, you know, the likes of free T-shirts, the odd paintbrush, the odd, you know, all that kind of stuff. It definitely doesn't equate to the time off work that people take in order to attend. Um, so what fascinated me about it was why. You know, why do people take two days out of their diary midweek to travel maybe three, four hours, one direction to come to this show? Um, and I actually, I met up with, I think there were 16 of us, uh, but there were about 25 in total that went for a meal um, on the Tuesday night after the show. And I was just talking to various people. Um, and most of the people I was talking to were sole traders, people that work on their own, or people with small businesses, one or two employees. And the overwhelming response I got was that it's an extremely isolating and isolated job. Um, you spend a great deal of time working on your own. And the reason that they all love the show and make the effort to go there was for that sense of community, that 
meeting up with friends, having that connection with people that are in the same position as you. Um, and th there was a lot of conversation over mental health and how people cope and how people have been struggling with the isolation and working on your own for long periods of time. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting subject to me. I can, I can imagine because I, I mean, I can always tell the difference with you when you're, you've got mm. people working with you and when people are not, it, that must be quite hard for those people that don't actually talk. I mean, you're the sort of person that does talk. You're the trade person that does talk and, mm. but others aren't like that. And, you know, how, how do you think that that's, becoming now because the suicide rate in men is well over 70 percent now um how do you think people yeah. like you cope well in short a lot of people don't and, and that's the problem um so to touch on what you've just mentioned there that that's quite right so interestingly uh part of my volunteering with samaritans i'm aware of the statistics and uh interestingly in the uk more women attempt to end their own life, but more men do. Um, and the, the percentage rate as a total is 70, over 70% 70 of all suicides are male. Um, and out of that 70% of men, the single highest occupation and industry that accounts for that is the building trades. It's also the biggest killer of men under 50, I believe um wow. is is suicide uh and as i say the biggest proportion of that are people in the building trades um so it's something that i'm interested on raising awareness and doing yeah. something that can make a change i'm toying with a few ideas at the minute i'm trying to put everything together all of my my knowledge my experience uh the fact that i'm in the building trades myself and have been for 22 years now I've got a lot of contacts in the building trades and obviously with the mental health aspect of what I'm doing and the volunteering and the education, mm -hmm. I would like to bring all that together uh, and try and raise awareness. And, and key thing is talking because it's incredibly powerful. It's, uh, I heard a really good analogy, um, a few weeks or a few months ago. And um, it was one that stuck with me, but it was about the weight of your thoughts, the weight of a negative thought. So if you are, if something negative happens, a negative experience, stress, pressure, whatever it might be, and you hold that to yourself, the damage that that can do is it's like if somebody passes you a pint of water and you have to hold that in your arm outstretched, you can do it. Anyone can do it. Anyone can hold a pint of water. If you have to hold that pint of water for five minutes, it's going to start to weigh. If you have to hold mm -hmm. it for 10 minutes, it's your arm's going to start to hurt. If you have to hold that pint of water for five hours, for example, I bet there's not many people that can actually do that without dropping that pint mm -hmm. of water. And that is the equivalent of holding in those thoughts and those feelings and often just talking to someone. And if, even if that's a stranger, even if it's somebody on the end of the phone that you don't know and will never know, um, it's almost like a release. It's like putting the glass down and you might mm -hmm. have to pick that glass up again because whatever's going on that's put you in that place might still be present, 
but often just talking about it is like a pause, a break, and that pause and that break can make all the difference. And it seems to be within the building trades and particularly within men in the building trades, there's something, there's something going on. There's a lack of support, a lack of communication. Um, I'm not sure what it is. I'd love to be able to say, Uh, but I think isolation plays a part. Stress plays a part. The, I guess, the image, image of certain people, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk, don't want to open up, don't want to be seen as vulnerable um, or weak. Um, but quite often the strongest thing you can ever do is talk to somebody. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully things, awareness can be raised um, and changes can be made because at the moment there's nothing being, nothing being done. Um, if, um... It's another good if someone uh, was listening to this podcast, for example, and they were in the trades, what sort of advice mm. would you give them? Because obviously you're in the trades. It's a very, like, without being, like, sexist, it's quite a male-dominant industry. Like, what sort mm. of advice would you give to someone that might be listening that actually resonates with what it is that you're saying? Uh, resonates in terms of they're in a bad place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly like that. Obviously, they work alone. They they mm. they're not quite like how you are, uh, and yeah. they don't talk and they shut themselves off. How I suppose can they sort of learn to help themselves? Mm. What steps can they take? Uh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because like you said, if they don't talk, if it's not in their nature to do so, and they haven't, um, I think the first step is recognizing that there's something wrong recognizing Mm. that you're having thoughts that are unhealthy um recognizing that you might be exhibiting behavior patterns that are unhealthy you know excess drinking turning to drugs whatever that might be and and i'm not knocking either you know i'm not knocking people who drink i'm not knocking people who take drugs um but it's like anything isn't it in moderation it's healthy if you're doing it because Mm. you need to do that to block something out it's not um, so if you can recognize that you're not in the best of places, and most people will talk about the, the keywords that everyone knows, so anxiety, depression. But if you're feeling that way, then don't hold it in. You've got to talk to somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, not to rabbit on about how good Samaritans are, but one of the great mm-hmm. things about Samaritans is it is completely anonymous. And I can speak firsthand because I've taken the course. It's completely mm-hmm. anonymous. Nobody, you don't. The, the volunteers don't see the phone number. They don't get a name unless it's given like, with permission, as in unless the caller discloses that information. Um, so that potentially is a really good starting place for somebody that's feeling like they're in a dark spot is to just mm-hmm. talk about how they're feeling to somebody, to anybody. Um, and that can be a first step. You know, if they talk to a stranger and let them know, they might find that they're more able to then talk to a family member, talk to a friend mm-hmm. and just let do somebody think, know how they're feeling. Do you think that society overcomplicates it? Because there's so much different stimulation that's sort of there, like so yeah, much definitely. distraction. Mm, definitely. Um, it's another thing that I'm really interested in, to be honest, because technology and society now are changing so much um and they have changed so much so the rate of society's evolution has vastly outweighed how fast we can evolve as a species 
Um, and this comes down to one of my other areas of interest, which is evolutional psychology, um, which essentially is where we are as a species versus where our society is and how well they match up. Um, and society obviously has changed so much and so quickly over the last 50 years, let alone 100 years. And evolution on a biological level can't keep up. So we're not designed mm. to live in the world that we live in now. We're more isolated than ever. Um, and interestingly, again, um, not to focus on like suicide rates, however, suicide rates in the developed Western world, far, far higher than the undeveloped world. So yeah, those that seem to have less seem to be happier. They are absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And they're living closer to their design or our design as a human, they're living closer to their values. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, the, the search for happiness has been like the formula for it mm -hmm. has been an interest of mine and the closest I have gotten to explaining how to lead a happy life. Not that I, you know, not that I do it myself, not that I'm an expert, but is to live a life in accordance to your values. And quite often people don't even know what their values are anymore. They don't mm -hmm. know what makes them feel good or feel happy. We're on a track we're in the rabbit race where we live in a consumer society so our value is dictated by our ability to consume um and people get caught up in that and all too often the material aspect of living does not fulfill your values and then people are left mm -hmm. wondering am i broken there's something wrong with me i've got all these things i've got all this material stuff i've got a big bank balance yet i still don't feel happy Therefore, I must be broken. I must be wrong. Um, and that to me is it, it's spiraling in one direction. Um, I've studied social science. So the transition from a class based society where mm -hmm. years ago, there used to be lower class, middle class, upper class, um, and used to have people that would be sort of proud to, uh, best local example of that was Rover. So you had the Rover factory in the Midlands and you would have entire generations of families that would have worked at the Rover. You know, oh, where do you, oh, I work at the Rover. My son, when he grows up, he'll do an apprenticeship and he'll work at the Rover. Um, not saying that was right because it was harder to climb out of those class boundaries, but it was a simpler life. So it took one of the pressures away. Whereas now, because we're consumer led, um, you know, you've got YouTubers, podcasters, uh, Hi. you've got <laughs> people can become overnight famous on reality shows. Mm. Uh, and all of a sudden their status in society is elevated beyond what it ever could have been when we were class-based. Now you mm. are completely judged on your ability to consume. So, I mean, let's be honest, we live in the UK and it used to be People used to refer to lords and ladies and dukes and duchesses and kings and queens. All right, we've still got the royal family, but nobody cares about any of the rest of it anymore. So being upper well, class, you know. Russ, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but why won't you tell everybody your real name? <laughs> My real name. I feel we need to tell this story. You so, can tell the story if you wish. Oh, yes. I will tell this story. So a number of years ago, uh, Russ and I went out on a Sunday bank holiday 
uh, we'd gone for some food. It was a reasonably sensible day. And then it escalated and we both consumed a ridiculous amount of alcohol, which resulted in Russ turning around to me and saying, Russell, what person, parent, names their baby Russell? Who looks at their son and thinks I will call them Russell? So let's be honest, the- though, that that's valid. I'll still stand by that. <laughs> Who would look at an infant, a child, a baby in arms and call it Russell? Like, who would do that? That is valid. That is entirely valid. I still stand by that. <laughs> so, me being the one that's uh, slightly eccentric and random and slightly uh, unhinged and wild, I was like, well, we can sort that out for you. It's not a problem. So, all I did was got on the phone. Da-da-da-da. What do you want to be called, Russ? And he was like, Zeus, call me Zeus. So basically, in a nutshell, I went and changed Ross's name by Depol to Master Zeus Payne. I was reading a book about Greek gods at the time. (laughs) (laughs) No, you've just always had a a slight obsession with... uh, God complex. uh, Zeus. Needless to say, Russ has not yet officially used his new name. Mm, Why did you change it? I need to, I need, actually, there's my chance. I do need to renew my passport. Mm. Are you going to go with Zeus? I need to renew my passport. No. Are you going to go with Zeus? Why? No. Think about how cool you would sound. Master (sighs) Zeus. I'm not sure. See, see, this is where we differ. You would love that kind of thing. I, I would not. But it would be fun. It would just be I'd fun be like, for you because you would enjoy exactly that. Exactly that. That's it. You would just find it fun so you could introduce me to people and watch their reaction. Freya would never forgive you. No, she wouldn't. No, she would not ever forgive him. Well... I guess the other things that I wanted to actually touch on, because slightly diversing quickly, um, you've been in business a very long time. Mm-hmm. What is it that you think kind of um, that are the key things to longevity in business across the board? It doesn't necessarily have to be decorating lead. What are the key things? Mm. You have to be durable. I would say that's the key thing, durability, ability to adapt. Um, that's also your business changes so much, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, society, look at, look at you, look at your business, look mm-hmm. at COVID. Who could have predicted that? That came mm-hmm. completely out of nowhere and they shut you down just like that. Mm-hmm. Yet here you are arguably doing better than you were pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So I would say, the ability to adapt and durability when it comes to running a business mm. for longevity, I'd say that key. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that, that's useful to know. One of the things that actually interests me is have you actually ever come across a podcast or episode or series of podcasts that have made a significant impact to your thinking or perspective? If so, how did it change your point of view? Hmm. Yeah, several, 
um, podcasts and audios. I mean, I listen, so because I'm at work on my own a lot, I listen to loads of different audios, mm. uh, just because generally I find people fascinating as well. So, but I've listened to a lot of the Joe Rogan podcasts, uh, cause he gets a lot of specialists on there. Um, a lot of the diary of the CEO podcasts as well. Um, again, because quite often you see these elevated people, celebrities and all the rest of it, and you don't know anything about their backstory. Mm. And quite often once you've listened to that, it completely changes your view on them. Um, mm can't think of anyone off the top of my head but there's been quite a few that I've listened to and you know you you really realize that what people have been through to get where they've got um but change my view on things uh yeah do you know what if I'm honest controversial topic which I would like you to not expand upon um but I would say the biggest thing that I've changed my mind on would be the use of psychedelics interestingly as you know i read that book uh psychedelic psychotherapy Mm. um and it was a bunch of um therapists microdosing on psychedelics to um see how that could help in therapy can could you actually see a use of that if if that could be implemented in mental health and counseling and therapy do you think it yeah, would massively. be something that would work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's one of the things that interested me, and it was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast because he's quite open that he uses psychedelics, and then he'd have experts on and all the rest of it. And then I did my own independent research, um, and yeah, I think it would be and could be and should be huge within the therapy realm, particularly psilocybin use for PTSD. Um, it's proven to be hugely beneficial. It's on clinical and medical trial in the US in quite a few states where they're, they're looking at psilocybin use for helping, you know, ex-service people with severe PTSD. Um, so, yeah, I think it should be more explored than it currently is. Uh, mm-hmm. You can, that's a whole other conversation when you start talking about pharmaceuticals. Um, yeah, we don't want to get but me Yeah, I would on. say, like, going back to your original question, originally, as you know, I was hugely anti any drugs. That was it. It was just anti drugs. Didn't ever take drugs. Wasn't interested in drugs. And mm-hmm. Didn't like the thought of them. Um, but yeah, I think my mind has changed on that mm-hmm. uh, from a therapeutic and medical perspective. Yeah, because a lot of the time um, people will go to the doctor and they're taught to suppress by being given antidepressants so it's Mm. treating the symptom but not what the problem was in the first instance whereas i guess psychedelics could open up a whole level of thought that's the thing isn't it i think it's the the main issue with the medical model at the moment is that we aim or the professionals aim to treat the symptom and never the cure so sorry never the Mm -hmm. cause because if you Mm. treat the cause then you could actually cure the issue and once mm-hmm. that issue is cured, you lose a customer. Mm-hmm. Which means so it's better to continue to treat the money. symptom. Yeah, exactly. Which again opens mm-hmm. a big can of worms. I think we could do a whole podcast just on that subject. But yeah, agreed, agreed. Have you ever been uh, inspired by a podcast episode to actually take action in your own life? Uh, if so, what was it that motiv- motivated you to take that action? Hmm. 
Um, yeah, I would, I would say like small parts of hundreds of different podcasts mm-hmm. I've listened to. I can't mm-hmm. think of any one thing, um, mm-hmm. any one big thing, but the small parts of everything uh, that I listen to that you sort of take on board, you might make minute changes. Um, but yeah, there's absolutely loads, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. from health and nutrition down to mindset to just general knowledge. Um, yeah, there's absolutely loads. I mean, down to was a big one, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he sprung to mind. Yeah, yeah just just the basics in terms of calorie deficit. You know, that all come about through him. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it, even more niche, you know, uh, podcasts I've listened to a chap that used to do painting and decorating podcasts uh, and you pick mm-hmm. up little tips about work. I think podcasts are incredibly powerful tool. Mm, absolutely. It it does that thing, doesn't it? it it's creating people talking, whereas they it might is, have yes, not talked yeah. before. And exactly what it has that. done, it's, it's, yeah. and what it has done is you complain that we both never sit down and talk. We've just done that for nearly an hour. So mm-hmm. there was a method behind my madness of getting you on there here. There you go. Right. So the only way I'm going to talk to my wife is to book a podcast with her. Exactly like that. And then you get my full <laughs> undivided attention. <laughs> Do I know? Do I? Yeah. But yeah, it's, well, uh, it, is, it is. I think listening to people talk does have some kind of, it feels different, doesn't it? And I think listening mm-hmm. to natural conversations, that feels different. Like what we refer to as long form conversation. Mm-hmm is uh, more in line with our nature. And again, you know, you look at these days and I, I fear for, obviously I've got two children, my daughter being the youngest, um, it worries me where that's heading mm-hmm. because they're being like trained, not trained, they're, they're being sort of like swept along with, yeah, they are, but swept along with this whole attention span thing like 10 second Mm -hmm. TikTok videos, 30 second reels, one minute clips at most. Um, I mean, interestingly, my own business page on Instagram, when you look at your insights and you watch people's attention span drop off, because it tells you now, doesn't it, when people stop watching Mm -hmm. them? And Mm -hmm. it's like 15 to 20 seconds is that's max. If you put a one minute video, you've lost 70% of your audience after about 15 seconds. So the average person's attention span is just dropping and dropping and dropping. So with these long form podcasts that people can pop in their ears and listen to while they're doing other things, mm. I think you get a whole different level of connection. That's a massive one for me because I am that person with a very short attention span. But yet if I can go out attention walking. Spam. Spam. How much attention spam. do you give to spam? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you love to pick it up, didn't you? You could have just let that one go. Listen, if I didn't do it, somebody else would, so rather me. Use the word police. At the end of the day, words are made up, and I'm just making up my own. No, if you're going to give attention to spam, you carry on. Oh, I will do that. It's so much more fun there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, so the last person, Holly from what was faces she no longer works there anymore but mm-hmm. she i asked her what question would you ask the next person next guest that's on my podcast and she said uh what made you smile today 
Hmm. What made me smile today? Are you wanting me to say you? <laughs> Is that what you're hinting at? Um, no. What was the first thing to make me smile or what made me smile? What made you smile today? Uh, my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Holly dog. Holly dog. My puppy. dog. Yeah, my puppy. She made me smile this morning. Probably the first smile I had of the day. Um, but did, yeah, did many my things. Pat, Nothing major. Did my but, you know, what's... not make you smile? No, they didn't. They were scratching wow. the door at some stupid time in the morning, so I wasn't putting a smile on my face for them. Um, but yeah, the dog made me smile. My first cup of tea made me smile when the customer brought me a cup of tea. That, that was a happy moment for me today. Probably the pinnacle of my working day. Um, <laughs> and obviously seeing my beautiful wife when I got home. <laughs> <laughs> So, wrapping this up, what question would you ask the next person that joins me on my podcast? Hmm. Bet you wished you got my list of questions, eh? No, I've got I've got one actually. What I would say is, what was the last core belief? that you had and have changed your mind on and why. Okay. I like that. That's good. That'll be an interesting one for the next person for sure. Um, so for those that don't know, where can they find you? Tell us tell us your uh, Instagram handles. Where can so, they find you? Drum roll. Um, they can find me, all of the adoring public. Uh <laughs> can find me at RDP Painters and Decorators. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. And shortly, to be launched, coming dun, to you dun, soon, dun. you will be able to find me at The Talking Tradesman. I am going to be launching a podcast myself, um, and I am going to aim to do all the things that I mentioned today. So raise awareness uh, for men's mental health, Trades, people's mental health, male and female. The one thing I will just touch on very quickly there, you mentioned it's mainly male dominated. What I have seen more now than ever is that there are more and more women coming into the trades. So I don't know whether it's more of a painting and decorating thing, um, but there's definitely more female decorators than I've ever seen. Um, but That's I'm also seeing it online. Yeah, but I'm also seeing it online uh, throughout the other trades as well. Plasterers, okay. electricians, builders. Um, and it, it's great to see. So I think that demographic is going to change as the years go by. But, I mean, obviously it's more male-dominated now. But, yeah, uh, so I am going to be doing a podcast and I am going to try to raise awareness and see what I can do to help. I think that that's really, really good because I think given that you are in the trades and that you have the education in the learning of psychology, the personal growth experience, the willing to talk, Samaritans, I think that it that mm. it would be really helpful for people who you bring on your own podcast to help get them talking. There's so many people out there with a story, isn't there? I think that's it. Mm -hmm. There's so many business owners and business people. And like you said, 
a lot of a lot of us have a story a lot of mm -hmm. us have gone through things to get to where we're at and i think it takes i think that's some of the most some of the most interesting people out there the people that run their own businesses and that's mm -hmm. not knocking anybody that works for anyone um but a lot of the characters uh are people that operate in their own space um mm -hmm. so yeah it would be nice to give a voice to some people um i don't want it all to be doom and gloom and all talking about that kind of thing um so it should be a laugh here and there but yeah i'm excited to give it, a, give it a go and see what happens well guys well watch out keep your eyes peeled on russ's instagram and uh, watch out for his podcast and new instagram page so husband thank you for finally joining me on my podcast uh, please can you fix my door on my car in case someone falls out that would be much appreciated thank you love you uh, you get make me some dinner now <sighs> i am not your bitch <laughs> go and put the oven on <laughs> i'm gonna slap you when i come downstairs <laughs> <laughs> Toodaloo. bye people Bye. Right, that's...